You are now listening to Out of the Blank. Welcome to Out of the Blank podcast. I'm here with Chris Dole. It's pronounced daily, actually. Daily? That's a weird way of spelling it. Yeah, it's German. You know, so tell me a little bit about yourself, Chris. Uh, gosh, where to begin? I was born a poor black child. And <laughs> no, I'm a, I, I'm a marketer and broadcaster and author and game designer. And, you know, in, in um, just outside of Austin, Texas. So what types of games do you design? Well, I've got one that's on the market and two that are in development right now, but they're all sports related. So like, the, like the, well, it's, it's a board game. It's oh. not like, not computer game design. Now, now these are all board games. Now I have a question to ask you. Are you kind of yeah. fascinated by board games in a way? I don't know that I'm fascinated by them. I, I used to really enjoy board games, especially, um, sports board games growing up there was a series by avalon hill um there was one called bowl bound that allowed you to play uh college football games and one called pay dirt that was nfl games and uh, so that's kind of you know my background in them now there's this whole big revolution recently in board gaming uh with all kinds of crazy games that are out there and they're a lot of fun but my favorites are still sports ones why, why would you say there's a lot of uh, crazy board games out there? Like, give me some examples. Uh, well, I think one of the biggest ones that came out recently was Terraforming Mars, where your job, it's, it's semi-cooperative, where your job is to go terraform the planet of Mars, build up the oxygen level, the water level to a certain point. But you're also competing because you're a company. And your job is to, you know, get as much resources and, and own as much of the resources by the time it's terraformed. That sounds that's like that's way too much for a board game. Like what the oh, hell it's crazy. happens to Monopoly? Yeah, yeah. I tell you what, this whole new board gaming world, um, if you mention Monopoly, they will kick you out because <laughs> it's so basic. <laughs> is it the fact that people's attention spans are so like hard to keep in control for like an hour's time? Oh, I'm sure. And a lot of these games are now, you know, three hour games or, or like le what they call legacy games where you play it for four hours one night and then you come back, meet next week and play four more hours and it just never ends. What types of, uh, I guess, like walk me in through a scenario of what you do, like on a, I guess, a basis when you're developing games. Like, do you have to, obviously, you have to come with a concept, like here's yeah. sports related, but how do you try and look at, are you, look, you guys in a planning room, targeting out an audience? Like, take me through the process a little bit. Well, on mine, it was, I run this website, lonestargridiron.com, which covers Texas high school football. We, we, for the past 17 years, have built the, the most comprehensive database of historical information on Texas high school football teams, Go 100 years worth of data going back on all of them. And so I spoke to my business partner at LSG and said, hey, we need to do a game. I tried and tried to get him to help me put together a video game. 
And he kept saying, oh, that's too much. It's too expensive. There's, it's too hard. You know, we both have computer backgrounds, but that's a big task, a computer game. Yeah. So I just finally came around and said, what about a board game? And instantly he was on board because apparently he was starting to get into this whole new board gaming revolution. And uh, so we just started on uh, Google Docs where we could both work on it and started planning it out. And, uh, and first it was just make a list of what you want the game to do. And then we'd talk about it. We'd go back and forth. We'd tweak things. And then we would take it to the next step where in this game we have team sheets for uh, these are the best historical high school football teams of all times from around the country. So we'd go get their data. We'd create a team sheet. We'd play test for a while. And it, this was all still online. We, we had nothing physical made. We had spreadsheets on Google Docs. And we're on the phone with each other. Yeah, you got to have, a, I mean, first of all, you got to start somewhere. But at the same time, I don't think anybody truly understands what it's like to play a board game anymore. Like when you play right. Monopoly and you make the other person go bankrupt, there's a sensation you get where you're like, ha yeah, motherfucker, <laughs> I got you. And it's it's like I, I, I try and kind of incorporate that a little bit more, at least in my house, just because like, you know, I'm 21, but, you know, it's hard. Everybody doesn't, we don't sit around and talk at the family dinner table anymore. Nobody right. does that anymore. There's no such thing. You want to sit in front of the TV. I'm, I'm at fault of doing it too. But at the same time, I'm like, why don't we sit down and play Monopoly? And it's always like, oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I'm too tired. Yeah. Oh, I'm too this. I'm like, what happened? This used to be a giant thing. Like I used to have memories of right. around sitting at the table playing Monopoly with my grandparents or playing Trouble, that game, yep. to the point where I'm like slamming the button down <laughs> in the middle. And my grandma's like, chillax, like relax a little bit, okay? Mm -hmm. And building puzzles, whatever happened to all those little fun pastimes, that's all yeah. seen as like historic now. Like no, everybody looks at that, like you still see them in the stores. Yeah. Yeah, and I tell you, there there's some uh, really good games that you can get to reintroduce people to gaming. Uh, Settlers of Catan is a really good one, and and there's one I played um, just the other day with my nephews called Forbidden Island, where you're working together to find these treasures on an island before the island sinks, and if you fail, you die but you're all working together and it's a quick game 30 minutes do you think more people have a fascination with playing games that help one another or try and basically destroy the other person no uh, definitely it's the destroy uh i, I like the cooperative games because i'm not a real you know competitive uh, guy screw you kind of guy you know <laughs> but uh but uh yeah when we i have a thursday night group that i go game with and basically did it to introduce my game to more people but i look at what they're playing and there's a lot of games that have that screw you mentality yeah i mean a lot of people think like games like dungeons and dragons and that type of role-playing game is ridiculous i'm like actually you would probably be, be interested in role-playing games if you even tried it like if you take the time to even play a role-playing game it's basically escaping from your everyday life it lets you relax yeah. a little bit and that's what video games do like a lot of people say video games are controlling the minds of our youth yeah it's not in a good way but at the same time they're looking for an escape from the world that they get 
got enough shit from every single day. Like, right. I mean, I, I see it with everything. You got to take the goods and the bads with it. You can do too much in excess. If you do that, you become addicted. You get emotional reactions to video games. You know, I think you need to understand that everything has a limit and to be able to relax and play a good old fashioned card game, crazy eights, mm -hmm. blackjack, whatever, whatever floats your boat. If you want to play go fish, those were fun pastimes before video games for me. Like I remember playing those with my grandparents and stuff. I'm, I look back on when they're not here and it's stuff like I want to incorporate in my everyday life. Like, do you have kids? Yes. Yeah. So you try probably and incorporate that in there too. You try and get them a little bit of at least family time with them. Right. Oh yeah, that, that's that's the most important. When you when you boil life all down, you realize as you get older, you realize that that's important. That's the most important stuff is the time you spend with loved ones. Yeah, and I think people focus a little bit too much on the money aspect of the world. Oh, yeah. and really don't pay attention to the true profit, which is memories. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I would I would spend a fortune for a memory but I won't spend hardly anything on stuff. Yeah. I think like what types of problems do you face in the board game industry with video games and such like short attention spans nowadays? Well, I don't know. It's, it's no different than anything, you know, everything I do is creative. So whether I'm, whether I'm, you know, shooting video for Texas high school football or writing a book or write, uh, creating a game, it's all, or do podcasts. I've been doing podcasts since it began. So it's all, it all comes down to attention span and, and getting people to stop, like you mentioned, stop paying attention to all the crap that's going on in the world and realize life is good and people are good and communication is good. Have you ever tried to design a video game where you, you thought of the concept or not video game, but a board game where you thought of the concept, but you were like, that's not going to fly with a lot of people. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've got one that I'm still debating whether or not that's going to work because, because it is kind of a, a controversial subject. What is it about? Well, it, it's about, it's about the news media and, and that's my hot button is all the garbage that they produce you know and and that's what it's about so you have like first chance cards it's like you caught a uh, black kid getting shot on the street four hundred dollars to play on the news it's like not, not quite like that it, it's it's fighting against you know fake news and stuff like that oh, okay that's pretty cool i mean i think yeah. i think that would be accepted though the sad yeah. thing is i think that would be probably be a popular game a lot of people are starting to look towards the media, even if it is their source of information and they're going to listen to it anyway, but they're going to bitch about how it plays nothing but bad stuff. You know what yeah. I saw on the other day? Um, I was watching the TV, a little bit of news, the first time I clicked on it in forever, and it was a girl putting a dog in a dryer. Yeah. Like a puppy in the dryer, and she's sitting there laughing, opens up the door, and the dog's all freaking out, like whatever. And then after that, they played a dad that got from like afghanistan that just got like cured for something or that or he's like better from this trauma that he experienced and mm -hmm. then they show but he's in a wheelchair and he can't go see and, like they keep throwing good bad bad good bad good bad good i'm like holy shit give me one thing at a time 
very slowly and space it out a little bit. If you're going to give me some good <laughs> stuff, get it all in one segment. Don't just sit there and give me one bad thing and then give me something a little bit good and then give me a giant bad thing. Like you got to understand how you're directing your message to the people. Yeah, definitely. Well, and, and their only job is, is attention and eyeballs. So they've got to mess with your, your, your synapses a little bit. They've got to grab your attention. So that's how, why they keep shifting. Do you think that there's going to be more of acceptance of board games in the future? I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I see it kind of being a lost art in a way because a lot of people don't truly take in the wonderfulness of board games. Wonderfulness. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I think of a stupid word, but also a good one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the uh, I I do think I think we're we're in a golden period for board games right now. Um, if you look at board game sales, there's a website called Board Game Geek, and and it is nothing but board games, and it shows things like sales and which ones are hot and things like that. And uh, and we are at you know at like an all time high for that market. I think. Like, I find it very, very strange. I was walking into a Toys R Us and there was a Ouija board that you could <laughs> buy. And it said ages eight and up. I'm like, I was told for the longest time that if I messed with a Ouija board, I was going to get killed. So yeah. I'm trying to wonder why we're going to associate our children with playing with Ouija boards. I think it's, do you think it's a way to profit yeah. off money? Uh, well, always. I mean, that's really all it is. I mean, do you believe that it can summon spirits though? Well, I don't know about that. Um, I think it can be suggestive and it can get you in a mindset, you know, that is probably not a healthy mindset. I think uh, like with anything like Monopoly, you know, the history behind Monopoly, like why it was created was supposed to show the badness of capitalism. Right, right. You're supposed to like feel like crap when you made your family go broke but it actually <laughs> gave everybody a really good passion to make their parents bankrupt and then your parents were like okay well you're grounded it's like what you're right exactly I, I think it's i think it's funny because we all have a fascination with like this little like video games everyone's like you're seeing adults now become more least prevalent in their lives now playing video games and then yeah uh, whether it's a sports game, whether it's whatever. And I think when you look at board games, it's the same thing as video games. It's just in a, a, a little bit more of a primal version. I mean, I love the feeling of, you know, being the shoe or the boat or the car, you know, when I'm playing Monopoly. I like feeling that paper. I like having all that process of whether someone mm -hmm. has to be the banker or different roles that you have to play because you realize it's a bunch of people working together to create something. Yeah. Yeah, and, and don't get me wrong, I still play Minecraft and love it. So it, I, I'm not exclusively board games. I, my Xbox One gets a workout too. <laughs> yeah. Well, you said you dived into the realm of like podcasting. You were there when it started. So tell me a little bit yeah. about that. Like, what made you want to start podcasting and what do you focus on? Yeah. Um, officially, my, my first podcast was, uh, depending on who you ask, either the fifth or sixth podcast ever created. Uh, and so anytime a new technology comes out, I go investigate and see, Hey, you know, is this something I want to learn about? Is there something I can make money with? Um, and so my very first podcast was, um, 
uh, just me speaking called Riding with the Window Down. And, and it was all about what's going on in my life. But at the same time, I created Lone Star Gridiron, which is, was Texas high school football, which became, you know, the, the home of this website that I've had forever now. I also created one called the PMC Top 10, the Pod Music Countdown, where I counted down um, uh, the top tracks played by podcasters around the globe. Uh, and then I did a hyper-local one. I was in Houston, Texas at the time, uh, this week in Houston. And so I tried all the different models at the exact same time just to see which ones work, which ones didn't. Learned a whole lot. And, um, you know, Gridiron's still going. Uh, Riding with the window down is still going. It's a blog now. But um, I occasionally podcast some, something out there. Not, not very frequently anymore. But you find um, that your fascination, like uh, you said it was thoughts with the window down? Riding with the window down. Riding with the window down. It was kind of like a sense of release for yourself in a way too, because it kind of oh, yeah. able for you to express how you were feeling at that moment. I think a lot of people uh, miss out, like especially with podcasts nowadays. A lot of people play characters, like it's a movie or something. Nobody right. truly tries to be themselves anymore. Right. And it 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 brings out it takes out the sense of realness that I think podcasting like that's the main thing I think it should be trying to bring across is like your real thoughts, your real emotions, you know, the coughs, the whatever mm -hmm. background noise, you know, phone goes off, whatever it is. I think that's the realness of it. It's part of the reason why I don't edit mine. Like yeah. there's over 750,000 podcasters now. Everyone's got a topic they talk about something that there's only about two to 3% that focus on just getting people's thoughts and just having a conversation. Yeah. And I heard that and I was like, that's awesome because there's someone out there doing it too. I, I just, uh, I always get people asking me like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Like, why are you trying to talk to people? I'm like, I tell them like, they're like, you just have a fascination with people. I'm like, let me tell you something. I fucking hate people. They're like what? I'm mm -hmm. like, yeah. I'm like, I hate the people that we experience in our everyday lives. I hate those people. I want the real you. I want the yeah. one deep inside that has a fire burning for something, whether yeah. it's, you know, you know, I took psychology and I, I know you studied psychology and, mm -hmm. you know, I had a fascination with the human mind of how it works when it comes yeah. to mental illness. And then we start coming to things and I started relating it to factors, kind of diving a little bit more into philosophy. Like, why are we doing this? Why is this happening? And yep. I'm trying to kind of combine the two a little bit where after I got my degree, I was like, now what? Like, I don't know a job that is going to be what I want to do. And I realized talking to people, like being able to listen to my old podcasts and be like, mm -hmm. wow, my growth from just experiencing other conversations with other people in just a year's time. Like, yeah. it's been amazing. And seeing that change, like, it, it makes me feel like a better person. I'm like, I'm not, I don't want that process to stop. I want that to keep on going. I also want to travel and go to different countries to get other people's voices and stuff. I've already podcasted with people from Australia. I podcasted with people that came from other countries and worked at my work. And then they go back home and I've called them and had conversations with them. Everyone thinks around the same basis that the world is messed up and we need to do something about it, but no one wants to take the time to do something about it. I think the tools and what you need to really do is just focus on what you love, but don't hurt anybody in the process of trying to get what you love. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. And you mentioned, um, podcasting, getting real. Um, and that's why I think you'll do great at this and, and you're, you'll continue to do great at this is, uh, 
when I launched my first podcast, my sign off was keep it real at the end of every, you know, episode. And I still use that on, on, on a myriad podcast that I do right now. So that's, that's it. I mean, that's the other discovery I've found is that one, the average person is good. You know, that you, if you look at the media, you see garbage and you think the average person is out to rape, murder, pillage, plunder, and kill you. Yeah. Meanwhile but, syndrome. But at the end of the day, most people are good. And if you're real, if you're not what you see on Facebook, the, you know, people on Facebook just post what's good in their life. They don't post, you know, I'm having a crappy day or they go the extreme, you know, either direction, but they, they're rarely real. And that's why I like shows like this is it's, it's real. It's just two guys talking, right? Yeah. And the fact, like my fascination with a lot of what I learned today has come from just stuff that's imprinted on me as a kid. Like, you know, I play video games, you know, what types of video games I like to play Assassin's Creed. I like the type to play the ancient history type games. They got mm -hmm. me interested in types of ancient history where I started doing more research, where I started doing reading more books, where I started focusing on like, I, I have a, a, my, one of a historic figure I wish I could meet. And I wish I could just go back and experience his genius, even though at the time he was considered mentally retarded was Leonardo da Vinci. Oh yeah. I would love to see that man work. I would love to see his drawings. I would love to see that. I said, you know, culture's not dead. It just took a different form. I don't I don't think it's the right way I guess displayed, I would say, when it right. comes to Call of Duty being the main source of video games for everyone. I think people need to kind of dive out of their comfortability realm like, yeah, it is nice to go and play Minecraft to relax and build stuff, but when people look at that and they said you're just playing video games like no my cousin can develop pretty crazy ass buildings that i could never even think of imagining and the fact yeah. that he plays Fortnite, yeah he probably has something mentally wrong with him to be able to keep his mind on that game but there's so much going on and so much you have to process it's Fortnite drives me nuts yeah i've never played it and i don't want to because i've seen yeah. what it does i've witnessed a christmas eve party where I bonded with the older generation people that are my parents' age because I saw a ping pong table and then yeah. right off to the side was a couch and like 30 young kids playing Fortnite. And I was like, oh, hell no. I'm playing <laughs> ping pong for real, dude. This is the, you gotta play this. Like, this is the fun stuff. And I witnessed what I would used to get mad at my dad doing where he walks in front of the TV. I'm like, get out of the way, get out of the way. All right. The ball went back. This old guy walked up and got in front of the TV. Everyone's screaming out of the move. He goes, what? I'm in the way, I'm in the way, I'm in the way. And he's like going back and forth, like kept going, hopping back in. It was so funny. And I was like, the kids are getting so frustrated at that because they come, become addicted to it. But I'm like, sometimes they can take it in the best way like earn money off of it kids making money off doing Fortnite now kids doing it, it's another aspect another outlet for creativity which i have a fascination with i tell people you can never truly justify something unless you've experienced it yourself i can't truly say there is no god because i don't i've never experienced it myself i can say it's just not for me mm -hmm. i try and give people the benefit of the doubt i try to keep my faith in humanity a little bit but on average people do suck and that's just because we have an aspiration to become great, but we choose to let it stay dormant. There's one thing that drives everyone. Like for you, what is the one thing deep down that you feel like you haven't done, you haven't pursued, that you want to pursue? Tell me, Chris. Well, I think I have. I, I think that's, that's been my adult life is pursuing 
those things that that motivate me and and we're gonna have to agree to disagree on people i do think people on average are good so it sounds like you, you have a different opinion on that but I just, uh, I just think that too many people walk around every single day trying to be comfortable and trying to be normal trying to not show who they really are like how passionate they can get about something they choose that oh that's not what they think oh they have this they're constantly judging one another pulling out the ruler trying to measure each other's dicks mm -hmm. and i'm like that's that's where i say we suck it's just no the fact I, that, like, I, I i agree with that that aspect of, of people is real it's there i i completely agree with that i think though that it's it's more that they're misguided then they suck. And instead, I try to understand where they're coming from and realize, you know, a lot of them, that's, that's the way they've learned. It's not their fault that they it's learned the environment it. they grew up in. Right, right. I and that too, yeah. In, instead, you know, empathize with them, teach them. If, if, if I have, and nothing else, I'm a teacher because I'm a marketing consultant and I teach people there. The books I've written are, are, you know, have lessons in them. So what types of books know. have you written? Uh, okay. So three of them do not have lessons. I forgot about those. I have ones called, uh, there's a series called lame jokes rule and it's just really lame jokes. Uh, but I've written one called all I need to know. I learned from my Texas high school football coach and it's, it's uh, about building pride, poise, class, character, all the things that football teaches you. Um, and then I've written another one called Rocket Man, the story of D.W. Rutledge and the Judson High School football dynasty. And this is a, a coach in Texas who went to eight state championships and really changed how coaching is done in Texas. Which, which you may or may not know is the gold standard of high school football. Texas is where, well, you know, Friday Night Lights, everybody does. But, and then he went on to head the Texas High School Coaches Association for like 30 years and just recently retired. So I wrote his biography. Did you talk about things like how hard it was for him to have that drive to go after it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we talked through all of that. I had a great conversations with his wife who, who told me about the times he was struggling, you know, because negative impacts. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like and, way, and, yeah. You know, and they went through a lot. And but but he at the end of the day, he too, more important than anything else is a teacher. And he affected the lives of so many young men who went through his program and then later men who were assistant coaches or, or head coaches, you know, he, that he, uh, I guess, influenced as the head of the high school coaches association. So, so he's been teaching valuable lessons his entire life. Do you think that at least when it comes to, you need to have that person telling you that you're not going to be able to do it because sometimes you need that drive and that push to get after something. Well, again, now you, you talked about psychology. That, that is a psychological question. Some people, that motivates them. You know, if you're called the dumb kid, you go work hard and succeed. You know, other people, that doesn't work. It instead destroys them.
I think uh, it destroys most people in general if they get turned yeah. on to something. If they told they can't pursue something, they don't. I like yeah. a lot of times I find myself like thinking a little bit like a like psychologist. In no way I am I, anybody out there listening. I'm not a psychologist. Mm-hmm. I have no, I'm a dumb dumber than a box of rocks. But I have experienced talking to some psychologists. I have mm-hmm. experienced just podcasting with them, understanding their way of thinking, and then being very impacted by one myself. Uh, my best friend's mom is one, and I didn't find out until last year that she was, all my years knowing her. And it's the fact that you're, when you do dive into the realm of psychology, at least for me, I find myself constantly thinking that way or analyzing somebody. I don't mean to, but it's like, mm-hmm. Like when I see somebody freak out in a store, I'm like, okay, they probably have something else going on in their life that's impacting them. Maybe they were raised a little bit different. Maybe that's right. Um, I do try and catch myself in moments I do get overly upset and try and rush things. Like I experienced, you know, something bad happened. I had one tire have a nail in it had to get that replaced. And then two days later, another tire got a nail in it. So I've lost a total with towing expenses, breaking down, getting my car repaired around $800 in under like four days. Mm -hmm. At the point where you're just like, I'm not leaving the fucking house. I'm not doing anything anymore. I'm just going to lay in bed and relax because there's no point in experiencing another shitty moment or experience. But I caught myself at the mechanics getting frustrated after the last time I got a nail in my tire. And I was like can you hurry up? And then I stopped myself and I said, mm, you know what? I'm sorry. That's my fault. I'm dealing with stuff going on in my life and you don't deserve that. And I walked away. And yeah. the main reason was he gave me the response after I said, can you hurry up and said, you hear that guys? He wants us to hurry up. And I realized, Oh fuck, you can make me sit here all day. If I, if you choose to like you choose when to work on my car. So I might as well be, <laughs> but I also caught myself and I try and do that nowadays. Like how many times are you driving and then someone just freaks out beside you, whether it's you because someone's on the phone in front of you or whether it's somebody else. You, it's, it, that's just because you're aware. You, mm-hmm. you're, not, you're not paying attention where you feel like you're relaxed, like all oh, windows down, cruising, listening to Bob Marley, bro. Whatever you want to do, you still are alert. You're, you're, your body's so aware of what's going on around you. Like you don't mm-hmm. realize it. And that's why your tension levels, you're already at 10. Okay. So people wonder like, why are you already at 10? It's like, dude, we're all at 10 right now. We don't understand. We're in a moving metal contraption around other moving metal contraptions. You're constantly being aware of everything around you, whether you're on your phone or not, you're trying to dive your mind into something completely different while you're doing something dangerous. And I tell people, I'm like, you can turn off the phone for a second and just hold it down. Like usually when I podcast, it's in person. Like I'm talking yeah. to a guy right in front of me. He sits in across the chair in front of me. I just started doing these on like the internet because I realized I can reach more people. Right. And just because of the fact like we all have a story to tell. We all have an experience. We all have something that's going to impact somebody or might not, but I'm, I want to hear it. And you know, it's, it's, I, I drain myself to do it just because of the fact like, I, I know people are great. I know people are amazing. And when I mean I drain myself, I mean I've been up since Monday morning, 1 a.m. I have not I have not been to bed yet. And that's just the, the fact like podcast, 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 work, podcast. It's because right. it's I, I, well, even when I'm tired and then I sit down in front of the thing and then I see someone across from me, I immediately get interested. And then seeing like my one buddy light up about, yo, I'm into 18th century Victorian surgery. And he goes like, <laughs> I'm like, what? So I started researching about it. 
Next thing you know, I'm diving down the rabbit hole. I'm talking about Robert Liston, the fastest knife in the West End to his 300% mortality rate. I'm learning things. I'm listening to Joe Rogan talk about things. I'm like, all right, that's something I need to look up and talk about. Next thing I know, I fall into Alex Jones's hands. I'm going <laughs> bad shit into some government stuff where I'm like, holy crap, this is all true information that's on the CIA website, like Operation Paperclip, all that yeah. type of stuff. Oh, yeah. I'm like, why did I not know this before? And I'm like, school's teaching the wrong information. I think they need to teach you how to balance a checkbook. I think they need to teach you that quicksand's not as relevant in life as cartoons want to make you believe. Because I thought that was a big problem when I was a child. And I think wherever you can really find what you're interested in and truly feel like you could just study it for hours and hours and hours and hours and not get tired, you need to find that. You need to pursue it a little bit. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of people don't realize that true education begins when it becomes self-education. And what you're talking about is is that exactly is is at some point you realize the school system is training you to be a cog in a wheel. That's all they're doing, and to vote the way they want you to vote. But once you start educating yourself. And, you know, the Internet is so amazing now that anything you ever wanted to know is out there and you can figure it out. So I think it's a great time to be alive. I find it like I do. I mean, I like being alive most days. But um, in fact, like I do wish we could go back a little bit. Like I would like to go back in time just a tiny bit just to experience for a day, because I feel like a lot of creativity is getting lost nowadays. I know we say it takes a different form, but like when I look at a classic, like I have a painting in my room right now that is of Starry Night, like yep. by Vincent Van Gogh. And I'm looking at that and I'm analyzing like where I, where psychology changed my mind and art in general. I did, I started, I got, I wrote a paper that got an A on psychoanalysis. The fact mm-hmm. that that's my, that's my favorite topic to talk about in psychology because seeing what other people see. It's the same thing as like what other people are interested in. We all act like a hive mind, but we all are unique in a very, very special way. The fact that you can look at a cloud, see a bird with three heads, and I can look at a cloud and see an, I don't know, a llama. Like it's, it's so completely different. And that's just based on either our environment, our genetic factors, our whatever impacts our brain, either through our developmental years or just whatever. And I see Starry Night, I'm like, well, he's obviously on a mountainside somewhere and he's painting this thing. And you find out he painted it in the window of his um, insane asylum cell that he was in. Like you hear that, I'm like, oh my God. Like it adds a whole nother secret to the mystery of what the painting really means. And I think that's when you look at like a thing of art and you see a dot on it and you're like, mm-hmm. this guy did not try at all. And you're like, is it, or is he representing society as him being the special one on a blank canvas and I go the real pretentious way of talking about it. But I'm like, I get it. Cause like, it's your own interpretation. You know, yeah. you can dr- freaking wipe your face on a napkin, get a ketchup stain on it. And then sell it for a million dollars. If someone decides it to find the true piece of meaning to it. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned creativity being lost and, and, or, or, uh, I guess redirected. I, um, I still paint, and like I said, I think everything I do at its core is creation, and 
And I think I had mentioned education. I, I think to be happy, to be successful in life, to feel fulfilled, you need to educate yourself and create, period. For sure. I think a lot of people, like, do, do you agree that people lose that a little bit, though? Oh, yeah, yeah. Because of, like you mentioned, the hive mind. People, I think social media, when it first came out, uh, I thought it was amazing, you know, because it was ways way for me to connect with people all over the globe and and it was awesome but now i think it's more uh debilitating to people because now people want to i guess format themselves to what they see there and um that that's not creative when when you're copying people i try and when i like talk to people and have these conversations i try and play devil's advocate not because i want to be the guy that wants to argue but be i want to think of the other side's point sure. like i love frosted flakes and my buddy's like dude i love frosted flakes too i'm like you know what frosted flakes kind of suck though because if you're chewing too hard you get a chunk in your tooth and it hurts a little bit mm -hmm. and did you know cornflakes was prevented or was invented to prevent masturbation he's like what Turns out 1945 when we discovered all that it's little deep, dark secrets of sugar industry. And I'm like, it's, you have to look at both sides of an argument. It's, it's a conversation is never, it should never be an argument. It should be, there were no good conversations. There were no bad conversations. It was just conversation. Mm -hmm. We all think alike. We all have different thoughts. We all have different things that make us unique but we all have a common bond to care for one another. We are all humanly connected. And like with the education system a little bit, I've experienced, you know, them giving up on me because they were, I was seen as a detriment to society just because I had ADHD. And at the time they didn't know how to properly handle that. They thought the first thing you would do is shove a pill in the kid's mouth and you're an advocate for creativity. Well, let me tell you something. My teacher decided to put eraser caps on my pencils and let me drum on the desk to get my energy out because she turns out getting my energy out and putting my creativity in something I'm truly passionate about, I would prosper. Very few teachers thought about doing that. These innovators, yeah. why are they so, why are they innovators? Why are they so rare nowadays? It's because people have a fascination with comfortability and trying to survive for themselves. We don't choose to care for one another anymore. Like well, you, you mentioned ADHD and I think, um, I, that's a subject I've done a lot of research on and, and is interesting to me because uh, I don't think that there's a rise in ADHD. I think there's a, a decrease in uh, interesting things to learn that the pace that a school goes versus what you can do in 20 minutes on the internet, you know, is just so much slower. It's just slowed down. It's boring. It's not that you're hyperactive and you have a deficit. It's that school has a deficit. It's yeah. boring. That's a good way of putting it too. Cause I mean, <laughs> I, I never, I, I don't know a lot of people with ADHD. I don't see it being like it's, it's being more diagnosed now. I think it's just more people are losing interest in things that aren't really interesting anymore. You know, mainstream has become the bad stream. Like it's, you know, you focus on, wow, look at this guy. He's got a six pack. I'm like, I have been going to the gym every day for seven years. I have developed from my years of bullying through my school, I have taken with me a type of body dysmorphia a little bit where I'm addicted. I, I can't miss going to the gym. 
something I've been working on, something I've been trying to get better with and try and relax with, not kill myself for two to three hours. But I have a six pack. And let me tell everyone out there that's listening, it does not stay like the picture I put up on Instagram. I tell people it's 80% lighting, 10% nutrition, and like 10% training. It's just you caught them in the moment. You know yeah. what I mean? I follow real bodybuilders on Instagram, the ones that show you like, look at my six pack. And then it's like swipe the photo and you swipe it and then it's them bloated after they eat like a vegetable meal. They're like, bam, that's 10 minutes later. I'm like, there you go. Like, I know what it's like those competitions that people put up pictures of where they're at their peak performance. They don't, they're mm -hmm. not like that 24 seven, you drink water, it goes away. You get bloated, things happen. You try and experience life. Like Jason Momoa just got a shit ton of flack for having a dad bod just because it was his birthday weekend. He decided he wanted to drink beer and have cake with his kids. Like what? Why are we, why are we doing that? Why are we still comparing? Like he's a person. He even said it. He's like, do I give a shit? Like, I'm going to enjoy my life. I'm not going to run it by anybody else's rules, but my own. And when you talk about the education system, like at my times, they weren't, they were more about giving somebody a pill than giving somebody the chance to find something they're interested in. You know, I did lead to art where I mm -hmm. say creativity is being lost a little bit. And I know you're pro advocate for creativity, just like me. It's being lost when I say that they were going to take it out of my school they were going to do that. They were going to do that with band class. Next thing you know, kids aren't able to practice instruments. You're seeing a decline in musicians, you're seeing a decline mm -hmm. of innovators or people with creative passion anymore. You're just going to school and learning the basic principles. And some of those basic principles don't even apply. I don't need to be using calculus in my everyday life. When do I need to be calculating when a train A is hitting 45 miles an hour? When's it going to get to station B? I, I, I don't know. I don't take a train. I'm sorry. And it, I think in, we need to find focus on outlets per person. We need to do like mm -hmm. a little test. Like, what are you interested in? Why don't you circle some options? Next thing you know, set them for that classes, set them to prosper in the things they want to prosper in, not make them forcibly learn things they don't want to learn or are unwilling to learn. You're just wasting the teacher's time and the students. Definitely. Definitely. Hey, um, you know, you mentioned earlier about conspiracy theories and I, I would love to go down that rabbit hole with you. So what about conspiracy theories? Well, I think, um, one, I love them. They're, they're interesting as I'll get out. But I, I find that the more you dig in, the more you find out they're actually true, most of them. Yeah. I mean, I'm not talking crazy David Icke stuff about, you know, the the rings of Saturn being, you know, a transmitter for aliens and all that stuff. Wait, what? But, I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. Saturn's rings are transmitting for aliens? Yeah, and, and we're all just uh, kind of a, an experiment for aliens. But yeah, that that's another issue. But But things like... I don't know if you have Netflix, uh, the, uh, Bob Lazar documentary. No, not even that one. The, the, uh, the one that they're promoting right now, I think is called the family. And, and it's about a, um, very secretive organization that has been running in the background of the U S government for years. And, and it's, it goes, it walks you down step by step and shows the documents and shows you how these guys are uh, basically in bed with every president since Truman. I, 
I think a lot of people don't understand if they bother going to the CIA website, a lot of their stuff is just out there for you to read. Like that's how I found out about project Jedi, that movie men who stare at ghosts with George Clooney, I thought was fake turned out happened an hour away from where I live. Yep. We creating psychological war, like warriors. And I, it's the whole idea. Like, conspiracy theories is it a conspiracy or is it just something that hasn't been proven yet i mean i'm not a believer of flat earth i don't think the earth is only six thousand miles i don't understand that concept of it but i like i said i'm open to all interpretations i think my favorite conspiracy theories are the ones that fall with a lot of the stuff you find out about the government when they're doing testing and what right. considered what it used to be a conspiracy theory that aren't conspiracy theories anymore. Yeah. And, and you're finding more and more that all these historical conspiracy theories are in fact facts. And, and like you said, it's just stuff that nobody publicized. Are you more fascinated with conspiracy theories or are you more fascinated with government experimentation or projects in a way? Um, I think it's more the, the whole Illuminati bent where you have, um, you know, this small cabal of, of, of elites that are controlling the world. And, uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility though, man. I mean, you got to think government does a lot of shady shit. Like, oh yeah. In fact, there's definitely probably someone above doing like I, Trump's not the main face. Trump's not the supreme power. He just looks at it in our eyes. There's someone moving the strings. Yeah, I, yeah no doubt. And and that that has been that way, you know, forever. And to think that uh, these guys, when they get in power, suddenly become altruistic and do what's best for people, um, you know, that's ridiculous because people. You know, I've seen it in, in my business when I get a competitive advantage. Yeah, I don't go, you know, crush the little guy or anything like that because I'm a decent person. But I take advantage of, of, you know, anything that works out in my company's favor. Can I ask you a, a opinionated question, I guess you would say? What do you think about the JFK assassination? Do you think that's a conspiracy theory? Do you think that he was assassinated? Or do you think it's just, he just... You know, well, it's, it's, it's clearly a conspiracy theory. He clearly was assassinated. And it, to me, clearly wasn't what the official story said it is. What do you because think? Because you, you've got, you know, very convenient Lee Harvey Oswald gets arrested for it almost instantly. And very quickly, he is killed right after telling everybody, I'm a patsy, I'm a patsy, you know. And if you dig in and you look into his ties with um, the, the CIA's involvement in Cuba at the time, CIA was also involved with um, organized crime. All these same people are all connected. You have um, the Mena Airport in Arkansas, which it has come out that... Um, that the conspiracy theory there that the CIA was running drugs and, and, and guns and all that stuff, uh, again, has proven to be true. But Barry Seal, who ran the, those flights, he's in photos with Lee Harvey Oswald. 
you know, and and their or their their handler, their CIA handler is in photos with them. And so to think that Lee Harvey Oswald was a lone nut sitting in a book school book depository, you know, and, and takes these uh, magic bullet shots and, and does the job. One, I don't think it was just him if he was even involved. Um, it, there were probably multiple shooters, but I don't think it was just him being a lone nut. So I actually used to do a spinoff of my uh, podcast I do now called Fill in the Blank, where we focus on specific topics for about 30 minutes, but we make it fun. I usually do it with like some friends. Mm-hmm. And my one buddy's like, can you do some research on conspiracy theories for me? And we actually had one that was never actually fully done. It was the JFK assassination. I thought a couple things were weird. Have you ever listened to JFK's the speech where he talks about um, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind or whatever the hell that uh, the one he always gets quoted for saying, right. Have you right. listened to the full thing of it? I have, but I don't recall it. Yeah. A lot of what he says in there, he goes, I believe there is a, I'm going to do my JFK voice. So you got to bear with me. <laughs> I believe there is uh, inner workings in the government that there is a hive mind at play that if there is a corrupt society, it should be exposed. That was in his speech yeah. saying that if there is a higher power that was con- controlling something that he was going to expose them. And then right. not even a month later, he gets killed. Yeah. No one's addressing that. When I heard that, I was like, now I'm going to have to dive into this full, like full on. No, there's no lifeguard on duty anymore. I'm going in. So I dived into the deep end a little bit. Did you know he was wearing a back brace while he was sitting in his car? Uh, No, I didn't. I knew he had back problems, but I wasn't aware he had a back brace. Um, About two months before a doctor, there was a random test that came up where he had to go get a back brace. Now the doctor required this test was mandatory and required that he needed to wear the back brace at all times. It's going to help support his back. So he did. And if you watch the video, you don't see him bend down after he gets shot. A lot of people think he gets shot once, like in the head. No, he got shot three times. There was a bullet that pierced through his shoulder. There was a bullet that pierced into his neck where in the video he goes like this to cover up his throat. And then there's a bullet that hit him right in the head. Now, everything that first you get shot once you would lunge forward. He didn't lunge forward. The reason why was his back brace was keeping him from bending down. He was stuck straight up. Yep. So he had, was fully exposed to getting hit by all of those bullets. That was another thing I started thinking. That's evidence that he was assassinated in a government way. And then they changed the route randomly, saying it was going to be faster to go through town rather than the safe planned out trip. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's weird last minute we're going to change just to have more uh, publicity, I guess it was. That was the whole point was it was a public that sketchy for me anyway. I'm like, you would think about the safety of the president before him getting exposure to the public. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I think the Warren commission, that was a total cover up job. And, uh, he was, he was brought down in my opinion by those elite, those that new that, world order. Yeah, exactly. I think a lot of people, they like they always mistake New World Order for being some type of like wrestling federation Hulk Hogan started. I'm like, no, it goes a little bit deeper than that. Like there has been evidence of things 
working in the myths and the backgrounds, not even with that. I mean, I get fascinated with stuff, not from just the Illuminati, a secret society, but like all the stuff, like you hear about the Sandy Hook shootings that Alex Jones was exposing how they were crisis actors. Now, I did not believe that. I thought that was stupid. And then I saw that one of the people that was in the Sandy Hook shooting, the survivor, um, was in another accident like six months later. And then I started looking at what a crisis actor is, the ones that play for emergency scenarios. They were originally developed to help train them in like natural disasters and terroristic threats, like stuff that police could learn how to adapt with these crisis actors. And the one dude was in the footage six months later in a whole nother school shooting. I was like, did you really not do any background information on the crisis actors you were hiring? Like, oh shit, we use this guy in Sandy Hook. It's probably not smart for us to use him in a shooting six months later. Yeah. When it goes to that, I start to question a little bit, but I do believe there are people out there that did experience loss in the Sandy Hook shooting that were real people, not crisis actors. But I also think they crisis actors were added in to dramatize the effect. That could be a possibility. I also go down deep in the rabbit hole when people tell me MK Ultra isn't real. Like that's an no, exposed, it, was, it was clearly real. That was an exposed program. Candy Jones, the pinup model from World War II, that was uh, seen as like this calendar girl. That they ended up brainwashing her using these types of mind control things that MK Ultra was developing with the Nazis, or not with the Nazis, but like side to the Nazis. They were kind of looking at the Nazis to improve our own types of mind control. Mm-hmm. And um, she didn't. She would have a trigger that snapped. She went into battle as a spy, and she didn't even know this whole part of her that was locked. And the only reason she got was out of it or was able to find that information was because she was hypnotized. She got hypnotized to remember that information to erase the original programming. Like that's fascinating. I find that like this is where I started diving into the human mind a little bit because what can make it snap and what can you just program it to do the fact that stranger things is based loosely on the true story of uh that one fort is it base hero it's where that little girl that has all the i don't know if you ever seen stranger things yeah i watched the first season and quit <laughs> yeah I, first season's really all you need to get a hold of the idea but like the girl she was supposed to be a real person. There was a government program where they were kidnapping people and like mm-hmm. children and then testing their psychic abilities. And they believe that they conjured up something because they use what um, it's called a tulpa where you believe so much into it that you can make conjure up it real. Like mm-hmm. government programs have done that before. We actually took a group of scientists, sat them down into in front of a Ouija board and asked them like, all right, let's all think of a ghost, okay? They made up a ghost in their mind. They 100%, all of them believed it was real and they tried to conjure it up through the Ouija board and they believed they did summon something from the other side. Right. I started hearing that stuff. I'm like, there's some, I feel like we're on a frequency, much like a radio channel. Like we're all on channel one. Everyone's perceiving channel one. But then you got those people that uh, they're perceiving channel two and three, the ones that we probably shouldn't be reading. Like the fact that my phone is sending a frequency from earth right now all the way up into space and i can't see it it's there but i can't see that signal i can't perceive it with my eyes dogs can perceive things i i don't it's not out of the realm of possibility for me yeah yeah definitely um well there's one i was thinking of while you were talking um 
Oh, the the fact that the, there's a great documentary, I think on Prime, I can't remember the name of it, but it talks about the music industry and the CIA's introduction of drugs into the music scene and how LSD was a government-funded program. You know, you hear of, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, turn on, tune in, drop out. Uh, Timothy Leary. Yeah. His brother was a CIA operative who introduced drugs to the university, had paid the university to study LSD, and, uh, and then also was key in, in making sure certain, uh, certain artists who had maybe uh, differing opinions about what's right and what's wrong in the world made sure they got all the free LSD they wanted and those are the ones who who OD'd or something else happened to them. Yeah, they talked about that with uh, Jimi Hendrix and his manager. Yeah. Did you hear about that? With the fact that um they staged like a shooting or some type of like a uh, gang thing uh, yep. against Jimi Hendrix, and then his boss saved him, his manager saved him, all because he found out he was leaving uh, his company, which he ended up saying he was going to do anyway, and they think he killed him. And then his girlfriend randomly commits suicide by jumping off a building six months later. That's a little sketchy too, don't you think? That I, I believe that guy had something to do in that part. I also think when you look at, um, like you were saying, like conspiracy theories, they're fun to dive into, but it's like, when do you dive into it and then figure out when it's real information? Like a lot of what's going on with Area 51. Everybody has a fascination with aliens. Mm-hmm. Reagan's quoted saying like, I don't think we're the only ones in this universe. Like he was sure. the one in a speech said that. You know, there's there's government programs that are monitored to try and find extraterrestrials. So if you look at that, I think Area 51, their smartest bet with what's going on, just with everyone threatening to raid and do all this stuff, they're going to Naruto run or Ninja run up to the building and all this stuff. I'm like, you understand you're going to get shot, right? Like, it's not even a thing. Like, they, they don't care if there's aliens there or not. They're going to shoot you because the one person that went to Area 51 got shot. Like it's a training, it's a military program thing. They don't want you there because they have stuff they don't want you to see. What I think they should do, their smartest bet to handle this is just be like $10 you get in and (laughs) you'll you'll laugh. But I'm like, that would work because I would think they should make them sign a waiver being like, look, we have shit in here. We're trying to save you from and don't want you to see that you're not ready for, that you're going to freak out and never want to look at the world again. So if you really want to dive into it, give me $10 and go ahead. There are going to be some people that are going to walk out like, I fucking knew it. They were testing clones. It's all filled with clones. And then there's going to be some people like, I was not, I didn't want to see that. I can't unsee that. It's like, we told you, bro. We told you, you wanted to come in here. You wanted to run your Naruto ass up here. Now you got in and now you, you're messed up. Sorry. I think they try and keep you from stuff, but I think they also try and keep you from a lot of information that should be public. Like the last 500 documents of JFK's assassination, That's we're supposed to have the Freedom of Information Act, where it's yeah. supposed to give us all of our information. The last 500 documents got released in 2017 when Trump released them, but he kept 50 of them for himself. So we yeah. only got 450. Okay, what's on the other 50 that we're not allowed to see, sir? And why does the Freedom of Information Act only work when it's 20 years after anybody that was involved in any of the experiments or government projects dead? 
or they they spit it out to you and it's all redacted you know the black magic marker across everything so you can't read most of it yeah take 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 away the magic marker i want to know who was involved in it that we've done yeah. all and, and mk ultra the people that don't believe that's not real that that boggles my mind like there's so many of experiments where they use the uh auditory depravity sensory deprivation yeah um where they do like like they had one kid uh, it was he was, it was i was reading um his writing and everything on one of the cia documents and it said uh he was 16 years old they shoved him in an open grave like an open just hole in the ground uh they gave him an injection like the thing you ever seen a uh, predator where the dude like sure. got hit by the plane he's paralyzed so he was paralyzed inside his body and um they put a blindfold on him uh put these sensors on his ears so he could still only feel and they just threw him in a hole and they dumped snakes on top of him and they wanted to see how long someone could freak out or how someone could last and like it was a type of torture also Mm -hmm. a form of mind control they would play these put headphones on your head while you slept you would wear a blindfold and they would just play these clicks and beeps and different things so then they could use it and then say something to you and then you could go under a spy code like you would turn yeah. into a secret double agent or something like you wouldn't even know these abilities. That- well, and, and speaking of that, there's a lot of um, there's a, a, a theory that suggests that these mass shootings are basically just activated agents that, you know, you look at the timing. You've got Jeffrey Epstein in custody. He's who's dead. about to reveal everything about everybody from any party. Right. And then suddenly two in one day, uh, mass shootings occur, and suddenly people quit talking about Jeffrey Epstein. Well, Jeffrey Epstein apparently committed suicide. Apparently, apparently, yeah. Yeah, apparently, yeah. People are putting up photos like it's not the same guy. Look at his face, look at his nose, look at this thing. If you watch Stranger Things um, in the first, I think it was was either the second season, like the beginning of it, the one mom's like, that's not my son, he's not dead. Like, or it was the end of season one. Like, that's not my son. He's not dead. Right. Whose body is that? Who's, who's, that's not my kid. And it looks exactly like the kid from yeah. a distance. But then the guy goes in and he cuts it open and it's stuffing. It's all yeah. stuffed. It's all fake. We have now, I don't know if you've seen the new Joe Rogan with Whitney Cummings, the, one of the newest ones, but they have, you know, Sophia, the robot. Mm-hmm. Well, she just got rights now. Okay. So she, now she has human rights or robot, right? Whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, she is made from the flesh of a sex doll corporation called Real Doll. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're 100% authentic, basically. It looks like real skin. It looks like a real sure. person. This robot looked exactly like this comedian. The only thing that you could only tell was a distinct feature from separating her from a robot and a person was these little things right here in our jaw that move our lips that give us emotion when we talk that you can you can sense the emphasis on what i put on my words she didn't have that but without it if they both had their mouth shut i couldn't tell who was who i was looking at i was like okay i'm signing up to be an amish person now i don't want to deal with technology (laughs) anymore I, i already tell my buddy my buddy's house is lit up with technology i mean you walk up to the door alexa's like please type in pin to open door i'm like ho ho where the hell am i and then i walk up open up the door and then alexa's greeting me controlling everything next thing i know she's flushing the toilet i'm like "Uh -uh, uh-uh uh-uh no not 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 on my sanctum throne don't touch my sanctum throne (laughs) and 
I think one day, like I have friends that are all for technology. They love it. They want to get a gene chip in the back of their head. I see benefit in that. I do. The fact that you can download Google Translate into that gene chip mm -hmm. and, you know, be able to understand different languages. But also the fact that I know a lot of males, especially, are just going to be looking at that thing on the internet for the dark stuff that's on the internet, like porn and all this yeah. type of things. Learning is going to be a lot, hell of a lot harder to get a kid off their phone when they have a gene chip in the back of their head that gives them the internet on their brain. I also think it's going to be amazing for knowledge, but I also think knowledge is experience and knowledge is experiencing other people's stuff too. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, Alexa, I was talking to my wife last night and she said something and I said, Shh, be quiet. Alexa's listening. And she laughed and I laughed and Alexa laughed. Oh my God. Let's see. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand. Like they used Alexa in a court case to, uh, to convict somebody. It apparently records everything, even if you don't say like Alexa on. If you like, it's still right. it, it's it's constantly listening. It sends that information somewhere. It's the same reason why you know when you take a picture on your phone, that gets sent somewhere. Everyone yeah. thinks when they delete it, they and or it goes out of the deleted files on your album. That even if you delete it from there, it's gone forever. Nah, it's somewhere. I was able yeah. to recover a whole bunch of stuff off a phone that got completely destroyed. It all gets backed up somewhere. You can still recover uh, stuff off your computer after you delete it from the recycle bin. It's just a very long, lengthy process to get it there. That it's, it's everything saved. I don't yep. think when people sit there and go, well, I sent that picture to somebody. It's like, no, you sent it to the world at that point. You're sending mm -hmm. out all your information. Like you got to realize what is going to fly back at you. And I, I think the government took from 9-11, um, like one of the most famous conspiracy theories, uh, the fact that like they think, what do you think about it? Let me ask you that first. Well, when it happened, I was, um, I had a, an office in Houston and um, we had, I had the TV on that morning and I saw it, pulled in some of my employees and we were watching and the second one hit while we we're all watching. Um, and that afternoon I made a short video called they knew because it all made, it was way too convenient of uh, an excuse for this big ramp ramp up to go fight in the middle East. So uh, from day one, I thought this was a, a, a staged, uh, event. How so do you consider it to be staged? Do you believe that it was like, a bunch of mass, like you think there were like planned bombings? Well, I think, I think as far as, uh, I, I think, yeah, actual planes did hit the thing that happened, but I think they were, uh, remote controlled. They were most likely run by people running war games, uh, at the Pentagon or some other, you know, military installation because there were war games going on at that exact time studying those exact same things and those are documented and i think they they convinced the people who are remote control flying these planes into the world trade center in the simulation they convinced them oh this is just a simulation don't worry about it i think like i was young when it happened so i don't have uh, any reference in what my parents experienced or what other people that were 
really functional, I guess, brain capacity wise, and not paying attention to a coloring book in front of them, were able to really see and understand for themselves that two planes, they said it was two, mm-hmm. um, that crashed into the Twin Towers. I I don't know because I, I, I hadn't witnessed it myself. I hadn't been at a uh, thinking age really to understand right. it. Um, from what I hear, a lot of people always chalk it up to it being missiles or some type of things. I'm, I, I don't know. I just don't see why the government would do something like that unless they were trying to pass something. Well, the, the, I, I do think the Pentagon was a missile because the hole in the side of the Pentagon is not big enough for an airplane. So, so I think that one was a missile and conveniently, um, none of the, uh, surveillance footage anywhere and all the nearby buildings who had cameras, none of that is available. So I think that one's missiles, but when you look at, um, just the little things like, uh, I say little, when, when the towers fell, they both fell at free fall speed. The only way a building that big falls free fall is if it's been detonated. So, and you can see in watching the films on each level, tufts of smoke going out, which is what happens when they do an, a planned uh, demolition. So I think, yeah, a plane crashed into it and then they, then they pulled the building. Well, I, I also like to think that it's when it comes to that type of conspiracy theory or when it comes to type of the government doing planned bombings, I think it's all if you look a year later, they passed the Homeland Security Act. Yeah. You know, it was a bunch of different stuff that basically made TSA want you to take your shoes off when you went into the airport. It was to cut down on terroristic threats. It was more of a watchful eye of Big Daddy on you in a way. I think well, that's I mean, a high I possibility. That's just a, a side benefit to, to the government. I think if you look at the hundreds of billions of dollars immediately spent in the, the wars in the Middle East, I think that was the motivation was, you know, the, all these big government contracts. I'm still wondering why we're even over there. Like, we already got the people we were pursuing after, right? So why are we still over there? I just don't understand why we're still sending troops out. There's no point. I don't, I don't even see there was a point in there being in the first place. I, I chalk it up to what happened with Christopher Columbus. Like, he gave false information back to the home states to bring more troops out to go look for gold that wasn't there when he knew there wasn't gold there. And he only did that because he was being selfish. He wanted them to come and give him a ride back home because he realized they were just going to leave his ass there. I I think that's what it is with the government. I think we are already so far into it now. We can't just back out. We're like, we have to kind of stay here and keep giving false information or false ideas to people to let them think that there is still a reason to be over here. When I don't see a point at all. I also don't see the point of the, you know, the world, the world, the whatever, the NATO, the National Association mm-hmm. Trade, whatever, the, all the world's, you know, the world orders, whatever, all of them coming together in one room. I don't understand that. I don't see how you're just having a bunch of people argue into a room. I know you're trying to get everybody's side, but the smart way, the idea I thought of was mm-hmm. give everybody an hour with the other 49 people, one hour. That's all mm-hmm. I'm asking. One hour, talk it out. Okay. There's going to be arguments, obviously, but then if everyone talks to everybody and everybody gets a China talks to 
America. America talks to that. They all get each other's sides. They all get each other's stories. Mm-hmm. I thought of this with my own experience, talking to someone that was very religious, talking to someone that's not religious, talking to, and then seeing both sides of the thing, you become whole as a person. Well, I, I think I think there's a basic um, flaw in, um, in in your train of thought. Um, I think that you're, you're under the assumption that these are the heads of those countries. And um, when in actuality, whether it's the war on terror or the Middle East or whatever, it's not about um, Trump and Congress and any of those people. It's about those businesses. Those corporations are the ones that are making all the decisions. And everybody else is just a little hired puppet. Yeah, that's, so, what, that's what Robin Williams said. He said if politicians were like NASCAR drivers that wore sponsors on the on their jackets, you would wonder why they voted that way. Like, oh, shit, yeah. you're OK. That's why you're, you're part of the tobacco company. Right. I, I think that's a, like that's that's clear. I think a lot of what runs the world nowadays is money and money is seen as power. I don't like how we took that twist of events, but, you know, it, it's what we've become to, I think the better plans for the future is trying to isolate why that's a thing and realize that's a problem we need to neutralize, not some other person because they don't look or talk like us. I, you know, we should allow immigration over here. I think it needs to be handled in a correct form and it shouldn't take, you know, like um, if you know, Gavin McInnes, yeah. yeah, um, How he talked about uh, he's from Canada and then he tried to immigrate here and he's still not legal technically still Canadian because the fact that it's taken him $10,000 and 10 years to try and go through the correct front door. It shouldn't be that hard to go through the correct front door when we're given an easy pass for people sneaking over the side. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm open to changing your life for the better, especially people. I mean, there are some, I've talked to people that have snuck over here and done all types of things and they've hearing their story about how hard it was for them and just their, how they are just trying to better their lives or at least better their kids' lives. It's heartbreaking, but at the same time, they shouldn't have to go through such hard ropes in the first place to get in here. Well, I, I, I'm in Texas, right? And Texas has a very long border with Mexico. So I I see a lot of illegal immigration and the impact it has. Um, yeah, I do think um, the average illegal Im- immigrant who comes over is a good person, a hard worker, and um, and we make it difficult for them where we don't need to. That doesn't mean I think it should be legal. I think, like you're saying, it should be somewhere between, you know, this is illegal and this costs ten thousand dollars in ten years. There, there should be something in the middle there. Yeah. But, um, but I think, um, I think where the way the laws are now, you need to enforce the laws first, and then fix them. Yeah, I definitely think as we shouldn't be worried about what's going on in space a whole lot. We should be focused on people first and then changing the world. Because I believe the start is not at focusing on changing the world. It's changing our train of thought and who we are as a society. It's going to end up being one day um, people are going to get gene chips and then technology is going to be a requirement as a person. 
you're going to need to have a chip to do certain things. And then it's going to split societies in a way. There's going to be a society that's considered Amish, which are just base people that don't want to get genetic implants to survive. I don't want to live forever. Everyone has a fascination with implementing and being around on this earth forever. I think it's selfish with the fact that you want to have this life that has an expiration date and then trying to prolong it forever. I don't see that concept. It hasn't been done before. It's been a fascination throughout history. Man has been obsessed with himself to the point where he wants to live forever and keep on progressing. But I think the beauty of life is that there is a death. There is a date. Mm -hmm. um, I do think it should be obviously in the more of the elderly age, not really dealing at such a young ages, but I think your life is your own and you were set here to do something with the time you have, no matter how short it is. But once you get chipped, is it still your own or is that a means of control? Yeah. Well, I mean, pro how many times can you really implement robotic parts until you're not human anymore? My buddy's like, dude, I hope they do that. I hope I'm nothing but just my heart and my brain. I'm like, but how far can they implement stuff into your brain to where you're not you anymore? The whole concept of the spirit, like everybody associates it with in your chest. Well, I can tell you right now, they can replace anything in your chest and you're still, you're still you. You're not mm -hmm. different. But if you touch somebody's brain, yep. you're changing them. And the fact that China just recently in some studies was able to take out the spinal cords of dogs and monkeys and then re-put it back in and they can fully walk again, which is giving the idea more bolster for brain transplants. That's some scary stuff. The fact that they could take my brain and put it in your body and they could take your brain and put it in my body eventually down the road with this type of research. Yeah. That scares the living hell out of me because that's changing who you are as a person, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that what that's going uh, where that ultimately will lead are those those so-called elites. That's how they will prolong their life is is the the plebeians, the normal folks in society will just be body farms for them and they'll just pop their brain into a new young body and keep going. Yeah, it's that movie uh, with uh, Ryan Reynolds where he was an old guy dying of some disease and they just transferred him to a person that was killed or something's body of yeah. corpses and the wife was like that's my husband and then he started getting the dude's memories and so that that freaked the hell out of me to the point where i was like shutting off the cable going outside i'm gonna ride my bike i'm gonna enjoy myself and i think you have to look at a lot of stuff like i don't believe as much as like alex jones turning saying the frogs are whatever the sprays making the crops or the crop sprays making the frogs gay that's weird but i do think there is something with gmos I oh, think yeah. there's a benefit to them. I think also there is a side effect and a side business that's going on with them as well. The fact that if you look at places that don't have um, type of resources to grow these types of vegetables and fruits, at least in abundance to feed their population, it's good for starvation. You can implement this plant that can grow an environment it's not supposed to be growing in also controlling insects that are eating the plant so you have more crops now you're getting bigger holer foods you're getting foods that are growing in areas they shouldn't be growing in less fortunate areas i think that's a major benefit but i also see that you're spraying it with a type of chemical and i think the same thing you can talk about with vaccinations people getting sick from vaccinations 
the government has been known to do experiments using like saying this is a vaccine then injecting someone with something like the, the mm-hmm. syphilis experiments, the Guatemalan syphilis experiments. They were injecting people with syphilis and uh, these types of viruses just to see what would happen to them, be able to use them as results. You know, we have the what is it? The what the trials for the Nazis? I forgot what it's called. It starts with a G, I think. But um, like we have a code of ethics for human experimentation, but yet no one do we use that as like a basis, like what you should try to not do, not as you are not allowed to do this anymore. Right. It scares me, man. I just think the world we tend to take stuff a little bit in the wrong direction than it's what it's meant to be for or what it should be for. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, and that's at the core of pretty much any conspiracy theory is that it's always somebody who then takes it to the next level and, and finds a way to either gain power, gain money, gain something out of it at somebody else's expense. And, and, and the core there is they think they are on this level and the rest of the people are down here. So what would you say, um, if I had to ask you, what would you say would be one thing that people should change about themselves? Be more open or just be looking for more experience? Um, well, I, w- I would say to educate yourself. I don't know. I'd say either one of the options you gave me. <laughs> I would say don't, well, one, turn off the idiot box and don't, uh, don't believe anything any of them are saying regardless of right, left, whatever, they, they keep us fighting amongst ourselves over stupid things and we're ignoring what's going on behind the curtain. Yeah. So education. interpretation on life for sure. Yeah. Well, that's a great point, dude. I mean, it's the fact that we are a little bit uneducated as people. I think whatever you want to do, whatever you want to research into, whatever you want to look up, I think you should have the information to know that. I don't think anybody should be restricting you, especially the government. Uh, seeing as we have these acts for freedom of information, it's information is power, experience is power. You need to understand that you can use these tools not only to better yourself, but better people in general. I think when we lose that aspect of life and that aspect of humankind, we tend to fall on the rocky foundations we're built upon. Yeah, and I think I think one of the things they also convince us is that that we have a ceiling, that this is all we can be. and uh, and they realize that that's not true. And once you internalize the fact that you can do and be anything you want to be, uh, you know, that gives you ultimate freedom to do whatever the hell you want. Because, you know, and I know I'm, I may be speaking from what people are calling white privilege because I'm a white man in, in the United States of America. And I know that's a huge advantage over some people in other parts of the, the world. But uh, I still think if you apply yourself, work hard, and educate yourself, I, I think you can. You can, you can be whatever you, you decided to be uh, you know, a podcast host. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> taught you that said you told you to do that. You just decided. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've had people tell me to not do it. I've had people try and profit off me. I've had people try and just be on for 20 minutes and go off. I tell them, I'm like, it's conversation. We don't time. We don't get time to learn about one another at least for an hour um, anymore. It's, we all live on this world. We might as well get to know each other. And the fact that is 
the ceiling that, that that what you're talking about. This is a whole. You ever seen the beginning of Pineapple Express, the movie, mm-hmm. marijuana stoner movie? Well, the reason why marijuana is legal, as soon as you started questioning, like, why are we underground right now? Why are you wearing an eye patch? The government was like illegal because the whole fact is they don't like to be questioned. They don't like it when someone brings up these types of questions that feels like they're going to harm them and what they're doing. That's where I think a lot of stuff's going to keep lying dormant and people are going to keep kind of getting in accidents because of these types of things, man, because people are, are naturally curious and people want to know. I think if you just told them like, we have this information, if you really want to know what we're doing and you really want to think about us in this light, you want to be exposed to it, then you're not, you're not ready for it, but go ahead. I think if you gave people that option, you would see a lot less fight back towards the government. You would see a lot less of that. You would see more people being away, steer away from it. Like, oh shit, maybe I don't want to dive yeah. into that realm. I think yeah, and my, and my point is that you don't need to wait until somebody gives you access to that. It's on you. You decide if it's time for you to go learn more about something. Well, I appreciate you coming back on the podcast, man, and giving me this time just to be able to shoot the shit about conspiracy theories a little bit. Yeah. I, know they're, <laughs> I know they're a little bit ridiculous, but sometimes you got to find, I guess, through all the little bullshit, you got to kind of sift through what the truth is. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah, I've I've really enjoyed chatting with you.